The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Is a South Park? Yeah, a little bit. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I'm actually quite proud of that one. That turned out well. <laughs> but anyway, um, welcome back to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. Claire's uh, being weird, guys. I am. I am. It's, you know what it is? It's because inflation is kicking my ass. And we went from being in a household where we could get the guacamole without thinking about it. And now we're going, maybe we won't have any more kids because we can't afford them. And also stop getting guacamole on your burrito. So like, that's an uncomfortable twist. But that's what happens when your raises don't match 9% inflation. But it could be worse. Um, I learned about a regional specific crisis uh, that affected prices of things recently. Um, and it's funny because I didn't realize this was happening in Australia. And when I talked to an Australian about this, they didn't realize it wasn't global. Um, have you heard about the Great Australian Lettuce Crisis of 2022? No, I haven't, but I did read that Wendy's is going to stop putting lettuce on their burgers because of the uh, E. coli or whatever. Um, excuse me. No, that's the only reason I like Wendy's burgers. Um, well, they're not going to be putting lettuce on their burgers anymore. Sorry. Well, that's just disappointing. But apparently, heads of iceberg lettuce were selling in Australia for $12 a head. Now, that is in Australian bucks, or dollary dues, as I like to call them. But uh, in the U.S., that's about $8. Um, so it's a fair amount of money for iceberg lettuce. Actually, I'm going to look up on my Kroger app as of this moment. One head of iceberg lettuce costs, let's see, search products, iceberg One head of iceberg lettuce in the United States in the state of Tennessee currently, as of August 21st, 2022, costs (laughs) $1.79. So the fact that they were selling for eight American, 12 Aussie, is fucking wild. And apparently what happened is um, after 2020, when everything was on fire in Australia, this year there was lots of rain and flooding. Um, which was actually terrible. There was, uh, I believe, a fair amount of loss of life. Like, it was disastrous there. So Australia's really been getting the shit end of the stick outside of just the pandemic. Um, But there was a ton of flooding, and it took out a lot of lettuce farmland. And that resulted in the farmers who farm lettuce who were not affected by it having, like, record-breaking years in terms of income because... They were the only game in town because it's 
really hard to ship lettuce to Australia, considering lettuce doesn't keep terribly well. So it's better if it's grown locally. Um, it is also about to be spring in Australia. And so like this is primo lettuce growing time. But yes, so that was the... Sorry, I thought I heard a child screeching like they were possessed upstairs, but I think that was just furniture moving. But anyway, yes, so there was not an Australian lettuce crisis. And now you know. Okay, then. But the good news is, if you need to make money to buy your very expensive lettuce, I got probably the crappiest way to sell, to, to make money. Ever. Oh my god, not the poop. You can sell poop. Oh my god. Why? My child is definitely screaming, but I'm pretty sure it's in joy. So, um, you, it it went viral on TikTok, which means they, I actually went to the website and I did fill it out just to see what would happen. Um, at the end of it, it said due to recent popularity, it may be a few months before we get back to you. But, um, basically they want to know how much you exercise, what kind of job you have, what kind of diet you have. If you are a healthy specimen who poops once a day, He's gotten into the when I'm really happy, I scream phase. This is great. I, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. And if you guys are caring. Yeah. Personally, I don't really care about your kid right now. This is fascinating. I okay, want to yeah, know no, why just, and I'm, how I'm and what do they do with this poop? I don't understand. Okay. Ignore the tiny human screaming bloody murder. Um, so uh, those of you who watch South Park may have heard about something called a fecal transplant. But if somebody has a... I, 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 occasionally something happens where like you essentially have to wipe out all of the gut bacteria to heal them but unfortunately once you do that your microbiome requires bacteria to function and so once you clean all of that out you then have to replace it with a fecal transplant so you can actually and you also learn a lot about the human biome from fecal feces so like we would do uh when i was in nursing school one of the things we were taught how to do was take a fecal sample um because you can learn a lot about what is making somebody sick based on poop so researchers need poop to study um but for it's essentially no different than becoming a bone marrow donor which by the way i highly recommend i talk about this every once in a while when it comes up um you can go to be the and sign up to be a uh, bone marrow donor um and i believe they just require you to spit in a tube but uh there's a very narrow chance that you will match with somebody but if you do you could literally save their life and they no longer stick needles into your bones to pull out the marrow it is literally just you sit hooked up to an iv for i think a day and they take out what they need that the marrow they need from your blood and then they can uh trans fuse that into the person who needs it and literally save their life. Um, My aunt got a couple extra years with us during her fight against leukemia because her sister was a match. And we very much appreciated having those extra years with my aunt Terry. So if you can go to bethechange.org, I would highly appreciate it because bone marrow transplants are super important. But so are fecal transplants. And that is essentially what this group is looking for is people who could be fecal transplant donors. Now, here's where it gets crazy. Some 
donations. Now, keeping in mind, they are paying for you to essentially poop into what is, you usually put like a tray in the toilet um, and you poop into the tray. Um, and I then, did that and when I had to search for my retainer. <laughs> about that. That's what I had to do. But yes, yeah. you poop into the tray and then they pay for all of the shipping and handling How and much? materials. The low end, 40 bucks. High end, 500. Wow. 500 for one shit. <laughs> if you are a once a day pooper, that's $180,000 a year. What about if you're a twice a day pooper? That was a question I had. I don't know what to do with like a twice a day pooper or like, you know, the freak shows who drink coffee. Can and you sell your kids poop? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that I'm, I would be concerned about a, a, a little bit. I mean, they don't need it. It's just also, I don't, how know. do they put the poop into the person? Turkey baster? No, I'm kidding. No. I don't know. I don't actually know how a fecal transplant works. I've never, it, it, it has to go fairly high up, I would think. But anyway, I think. But yes, so you can. How sell do your they stool. ship it so the mailman doesn't have to smell that? I mean, I'm assuming it would go in a biohazard bag and oh maybe a second biohazard God. bag, and maybe a third biohazard. I'd rather bag. sell my underpants. That sounds better than selling my poop. But the and poop saves lives. The underpants are just freaky. Yes, but. Those were my early tangents, and um, I do have one more that I will save for later if we need a break. Well, but if anybody wants to move and beat inflation, they're hiring at the jail down here, getting a 13% increase in pay in October. So if anybody wants to make some money working in a jail. <laughs> but then you have to pay to live in Key West. I feel like that kind of cancels out the 13% increase. Well, but... Anyway, we do need to go ahead and get started reading those. So, bum, bada, bum. Uh, what had happened was. <laughs> so, everybody a little confused, and Molly's still a little bit mad about all of this, but Maya does a good job at, like, threatening her a little bit. <laughs> and she's just like, You are underage, and you were her teacher. How dare you? Nah, 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 nah. And all this stuff. So eventually they're like, but you don't understand. She's like, I understand. And then eventually we get to the part that I was thinking that I did not say. But it was like, well, you and Arthur. And I was like, ha, suck it. You were very excited by that. Yes, yes. I was very excited about that. So then eventually they kind of got Molly calmed down with like spells and stuff. And then they, 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 yeah. they paralyzed her. Like yeah. Petrificus totalis and Force yes. totalis. Yeah, and then brought her back, and then she was like, I am okay with this, <laughs> which she's not, but she was just like, smiling, I'm going to be okay with this. That was when Maya threatened her with the Arthur thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually Maya and, Sir yeah, it's serious, right? Yeah, it's yeah. serious. Yeah. Had the whole, like, so did you date anybody when I disappeared? And it was like, you never have that conversation. Like, go away. Mm -hmm. So then they were talking about forgiveness and how they have to forgive each other and all this stuff. And, like, 
it, it was kind of like it was bad like that was can of worms that should not have been opened in my yeah. opinion and yeah, then he's yeah. like well you kept me to ask me for 12 years and you knew that all this was gonna happen and all this stuff and like blame game like can you just be happy yeah but i think it's cathartic to get that off your chest because like i guess i go to therapy every other week she doesn't say much. It's literally just me brain dumping all the shit that's been weighing on my chest yes, all week that I can't say I anybody know. else. And then at I the know. end of it, I'm like, all right, cool. Next time. Um, but I have therapy tomorrow. I'm very excited. <laughs> yes, that, that's basically what therapy is. They just sit there and nod and listen. Uh-huh, but uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And how do you feel about that? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's fine, though, because like I can say all of the things to her that I would be hard pressed to admit to a lot of other people. And, you know, I show the sides of myself where I'm like, I really don't like myself in this light. And she can say, that's actually super normal. Lots of people feel that way. Or yeah. And here's a way we can work on fixing that, which is, sorry, that was going to drive me nuts. My camera was crooked. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, no. So very cathartic. Very good. I think what Maya and Sirius ended up doing was very cathartic. They both kind of got it off of their chest. But as Kat said, uh, last chapter did end on, did you date anyone after I vanished? And Sirius's smile faded and suddenly he was wishing very much that he'd gone to the bakery with Ron, Harry, and Remus. Which you know means it's going to start very well. Chapter 132, Arrogant Slytherins and Promiscuous Ravenclaws. September 21st, 1998. Hey guys, we're at September 21st now. Oh yes, that it's was not, the other It's thing. not the same day for four days. Yeah, we finally left Groundhog Day. <laughs> Remus walked several paces behind Harry and Ron as they returned to Grimold Place from the bakery, munching on one of the pastries. A selected assortment of baked goods had been wrapped in the boxes that he was carrying, with the exception of the chocolate-covered breakfast items which were, that were being safeguarded in Harry's hands. The croissants they originally had gone for were apparently being reserved for another customer, and Remus was burying his disappointment in other sweets. He was pulled from his thoughts of stealing the box from Harry when they approached the steps of number 12 to see Sirius sitting there, a glass of amber liquid in hand that could be identified at a distance as muggle liquor, meaning Sirius was drinking for the intent to actually drink, which was never a good sign so early in the day. Morning, Pads. He greeted hesitantly. Sirius raised his glass in salute. Mooney, Harry, Ron. Drinking already? Remus eyed the glass as Sirius brought it to his lips. You know it's only half nine. Sirius nodded, licked his lips, and took another sip. Nursing a bit of a headache, he said smoothly, giving no indication as to why muggle liquor was the new remedy for headaches instead of a pain relief potion. Fuck ass. Sorry, my sister just started calling me in the middle of that. But it's important. It's importante. It did just remind me to uh, put my phone on silent, though, which I had not yet done. Good job. Sirius nodded, licked his lips, and took another sip. Nursing a bit of a headache 
he said smoothly, giving no further indication as to why muggle liquor was the new remedy for headaches instead of a pain relief potion. Maya's redecorating the house a bit. Really? She was never very... A loud crash inside of the house had all three standing wizards nearly jumping out of their skin, wands drawn. Looking down at Sirius's relaxed demeanor, they all put their wands away, glancing around to make certain no passing muggle caught sight of them since they stood on the edge of the muggle repelling charm. When another loud crash was followed by an angry scream, Harry drew his attention to his godfather. Redecorating? he asked, skeptically. Sirius only nodded. I'm fairly certain the floor will soon be a lovely mosaic when she's done breaking every priceless glass artifact in the house. Of course, it all belonged to my mother, so I'm not entirely upset about losing any of it. She's been at it for about an hour. I'm honestly surprised there's still stuff left to break. Remus glared down at his friend. What did you do? Sirius feigned innocence. Why on earth, Mooney, do you think that I've done something? Because there's only a handful of things that get Maya violent, and something tells me that if she's destroying your house while you're sitting on the front porch, you're not in any immediate danger, which is usually her biggest rage trigger. I beg to differ on the danger issue. Sirius stood and reached into a box of treats that Harry was holding, drawing out an eclair with a happy smile. I was forcibly removed from the house, he told them before taking a large bite of the pastry. Harry gaped in shock. She hexed you out of your own home? Sirius swallowed, shaking his head. No, she threw an ashtray at my head and said she didn't want to look at my ugly toe-rag face for a while. By the way, am I still bleeding? He turned around to show the back of his skull. I'm shit at healing spells, especially when I have to do them on myself. Toe-rag? Remus asked, as he looked over Sirius's head, pleased to see that whatever wound had been there was repaired by whatever half-arsed spell Sirius used. She's in angry lily mode. What's a toe rag? Ron asked. Sirius barked a laugh. Twenty-five years, mate, and I still don't actually know. Sometimes I'm pretty sure that half the stuff Lily said was shit she made up to make the rest of us look stupid. What else is there? Harry asked. What's that? Sirius looked up at his godson as he retook his seat on the edge of the stairs, scooting aside to let Remus sit on his left. Remus said there's only a handful of things that make Hermione violent. What's the list? Oh, um, me putting myself in danger is high up there, Sirius said with a smirk, but she usually just screams like a banshee while I mend my broken bones. Made the hospital wing at Hogwarts much less comforting. Her bedside manner is shit. She was always lovely with me, Remus said with a smirk, as Sirius threw him a rude hand gesture. Turning his attention to Harry, he said, Insulting me falls just under. I have a feeling that was the line Molly crossed last night. She's very protective of what she thinks belongs to her. You belong to her? Ron asked, raising a brow. Sirius laughed and nodded. Don't doubt it for a second. She has a habit of collecting strays. She likes broken things she can dote upon and take care of. Pretty sure you were her first, he said, gesturing to Harry with a half-eaten pastry. At the boy's shocked look, he smiled. You're surprised? No, Harry replied thoughtfully. I just... I thought that was just how Hermione was. 
Ron snorted incredulously. Uh, no, that's how Hermione was with you. Sure, she got on my case about manners and homework, but she didn't... What's the word you used? He asked Sirius. Dote. She never doted on me. That's because you've not been mistreated. She's a healer, Remus said. Not in the obvious sense of the word, or, well, in my case she was. Hermione and Maya, she likes to heal wounds. She likes to make things better. Harry, Sirius, and myself. She made things better. Harry and Sirius shared a nod. So then why is she mad? Ron asked, bringing their attention back to the sounds of crashing inside the house. Remus sat beside Sirius thoughtfully. Other than protecting those she loves, the only thing that gets her this riled up are arrogant Slytherins or promiscuous Ravenclaw. He stopped mid-sentence and turned to look at Sirius. Pads, what did you do? Nothing, Sirius insisted. Maya and I just had a morning chat over how I spent the few years I had without her before Azkaban. You cheated on Hermione? Harry snapped angrily at his godfather, and rolled eyes flashing as he jumped to conclusions. Sirius sighed irritably, opening his mouth for the rest of the pastry, but bringing his drink to his lips instead. The glass clinked on his teeth, and Sirius swore under his breath in frustration. My girlfriend up and vanished into thin air one day, and I was told multiple times by Albus Dumbledore that she was dead, and someone, he said loudly as he turned to glare at Remus, refused to say otherwise. Remus shook his head. You know I couldn't. So, I tried to move on. Rolling his eyes, Remus scoffed. What? Sirius barked. If by moving on you mean drinking yourself into a coma that lasted three days, then certainly, yes, moving on. You did what? Harry yelled. Sirius, you could have died. It's possible to drink yourself into a coma? Ron Yes, asked. because that's what we should be focusing on, Ron. That That's exactly what we should be focusing on. Jesus. <laughs> Ron asked, looking terrified and strained as though he were frightfully trying to calculate the number of butterbeers and fire whiskeys he had consumed over the course of his young life. He could have drunk himself to death, Remus said, his voice hard as he stared at Sirius. Pretty sure that's what he had been going for. Do you realize how much a wizard has to drink in order to get alcohol poisoning? He asked, looking at Harry, thrilled that he no longer had to bear the weight of the disapproval that came from witnessing Sirius's personal rock bottom. James was furious when Sirius woke up. Sirius groaned, thankfully looking just as guilty as he had when the original situation had taken place. I'm not proud of it, thank you very much. If you haven't noticed, I've never been very good at coping on my own. But she's not pissed about that. The drinking and the girls, she understood. She said she figured I'd go through some sort of grieving period, end up at the bars and blackout only to wake up with, well, company. Although she doesn't know about the coma, so I'd appreciate that little bit of knowledge being kept quiet, he said, looking at Remus. Just assume you're under an unbreakable vow. Thanks. So, if not the girls, then what happened? Harry asked. Sirius winced, purposely bringing the glass to his mouth this time, finishing off his drink and coughing as it apparently went down the wrong way. 
She wasn't bothered by the girls, but she wanted to know their names, see if it was anyone she knew. She claimed that she was glad I had someone to take care of me, that she wanted to feel thankful to whoever it was. Remus leant forward, putting his head in his hands. If he looked at Sirius right now, he would certainly burst into laughter. Please tell me that you were smart enough not to fall for that. Shut up, Mooney. Remus sat up, holding in laughter over the position his friend had put himself in. Padfoot, would you care to remind me again what house the hat tried to put her in? Shut up, Mooney, Sirius growled. Wait, Ron paused. What do you mean, house and hat? The sorting hat? Remus silently affirmed Ron's guess. She told me that when she was sorted in with us, the hat tried to put her in Slytherin. Harry and Ron stood with their mouths hanging open. That's not possible, Harry asserted. Hermione's always been a Gryffindor. She's the bravest witch I know. What could she have done to have ended up in Slytherin? Let me count the ways. (laughs) Uh, Setting a professor on fire is one. Keeping a woman in a jar is another. Ron asked angrily, as though the very thought of his friend ending up in his rival house was a personal offense. Sirius and Remus both chuckled. Well, first, she's not reckless like the rest of Gryffindor House, Remus said. She's logical and calculating, always has been. She's smart, but unlike Ravenclaws, who obtain knowledge for knowledge's sake, she uses it for her own purposes. She's resourceful and cunning. And those are just the positive Slytherin traits she possesses. What negative ones could she have? Harry asked, offended on Maya's behalf. She can be cold and cruel when she wants to be, Sirius answered, and unforgiving. Does the name Marietta Edgecombe ring any bells? How about Rita Skeeter? Rita Skeeter. <laughs> How about Rita Skeeter in a jar? Or Dolores Umbridge and some centaurs? She just did all that stuff in defense of her friends, Ron argued. Well, even if all of those things wouldn't have put her in with the snakes, Sirius remarked with a chuckle. When the sorting hat suggested Slytherin to her, she threatened to set it on fire. Harry and Ron stood silent likely acknowledging that, perhaps, over the years, they had let their friend get a little carried away. (laughs) Remus turned his attention back to Sirius. So you gave her a list of girls, and she called you a man-whore and then kicked you out of the house? No, she was strangely genuine about not being upset over the various one-night stands. It was the tiny, small, insignificant, inconsequential, minor incident I had after she disappeared that put her in this state. He looked down at the ground, picking at his fingernails. Oh, no, Remus said, as realization dawned on him. Sirius cringed. Oh, yes. The front door was thrown open, and Maya stood before them all, wearing a two large Sex Pistols t-shirt and a pair of jeans. She was barefoot, which was surprising considering all the broken glass on the floor of the entryway. Her amber eyes were burning, and her hair was sparking on the ends. Marlene Bloody McKinnon! Yeah, I'd be mad too. <laughs> yeah, right, right? This yeah. bitch. One, one woman. One woman is off limits, and that's the one you went to. Looking at Sirius, Remus sighed. 
you're an idiot. We had one rule each, Sirius Black. Maya snarled. I think I kept mine quite well over the years. I've only ever slept with you and Remus, just the two of you, at your request. Sirius scratched the back of his head where the ashtray had hit earlier. To be fair, you also forbade me from sleeping with Gryffindors, he mumbled, and you did briefly date a Bulgarian Quidditch player. That doesn't count, and you damn well know it! She shrieked, and then looked up, spotting the other three wizards. Her personality switched out of nowhere, the wrathful witch turned suddenly sweet and approachable, not that any of them were stupid enough to actually approach her. "'Good morning, Remus, Harry, Ron.' Ron inclined his head to her, eyes wide. "'Myony?' "'Morning, Hermione,' Harry said cautiously. Remus, the only one of them, clearly unafraid, turned his head and smiled at the witch. "'Hello, love. Bad day?' Maya shrugged her shoulders, looking over her shoulder at the inside of the house. "'Just doing a little redecorating. I'm almost done. I'd say let's all sit down to a cuppa, but there's glass all over the floor, and I don't want anyone to get hurt.' "'You could stop breaking things, then,' Sirius quietly suggested. Just like that, Maya's eyes flared again and she scowled down at Sirius. She tunneled her glare into the back of his head furiously before she turned, stepped back inside the house, and slammed the door shut. Remus sighed. I can't believe you told her about Marlene. That name sounds familiar. Wasn't she an Order member? Harry asked. Yes, Sirius replied. But Hermione didn't like her? teleport-keyed her into the Black Lake once, if I remember, Remus said with a proud smile. Never did like her much. McKinnon wasn't too kind in regards to the werewolf population, Sirius told Harry and Ron. Remember that list we were talking about? What's a teleport-key? Harry asked. Invention of Maya's. Remus said, like a portkey, but charmed to another item, so instead of setting a random object to a specific location, the objects are charmed to be rede- uh, redirected to one another. Like magnets? Remus nodded. Exactly. Maya charmed coins into teleport keys and always kept some in her pockets. She threatened that she fed one to the giant squid. Ron gawked. She really sent a girl into the Black Lake? Did she die? Harry asked nervously. Yeah, but not from that, Sirius frowned. Marlene died months after I last saw her. By then she was dating one of the Pruitts, I can't remember which. Not like it matters. She was killed by Death Eaters a week after Gideon and Fabian died. Ron frowned at the mention of his uncles. That's horrible, Harry muttered. That was war. Sirius said with a sigh, Merlin, that was life. Is Hermione really that pissed off over a girl who died 20 years ago? Ron asked. This girl? Sirius scoffed. Yes. Why? Marlene was Sirius's first... Remus winced. Everything. Not my first love, Sirius declared firmly. Remus conceded to the fact and held up his hands in surrender. No, 
But on your first date with Maya, she walked out of Honeydukes to catch you kissing Marlene. For the last bloody time, she kissed me. Yeah, but you let it happen and you didn't push her away, so therefore you also kissed her. Mm-hmm. You muggle bitch. <laughs> you muggle bitch. <laughs> I love you. Which Maya forgave you for, but wasn't that the whole reason she instituted the no Marlene McKinnon rule for you? Sirius groaned. I was drunk and I didn't know. How long do you think she's going to be pissed at me for? Suddenly, the front door was thrown open again, this time revealing Draco, who was rubbing his nose irritably. He sniffed a few times, glanced down at the fresh bloodstains on his robes, as he stepped to take a seat next to Sirius, opposite Remus. Are you aware that the inside of your house looks like someone set a small pack of nifflers loose? Are you aware that your robes are covered in blood, ferret? Ron asked, a crooked grin on his face. And yet, they still appear to be cleaner than yours. Draco glared at the redhead, gesturing to the smeared chocolate and crumbs on his collar. Can you not afford napkins on an oars trainee's salary, or are you simply accustomed to eating out of a trough? Got caught up in her wrath, did you? Sirius asked, interrupting the argument between the two before it got out of hand. He held out his empty glass to the blonde, pulling a small bottle out from behind him for a refill. Draco took it enthusiastically, tossing the liquor down his throat in one gulp. He set the glass down between them and then reached for his wand to clean up the blood stains from his clothing. If you've angered a witch to the point of brutality, the least you could do is close the bloody flu network so no one else walks into your mess unsuspectingly. It's called manners, Sirius. Sirius smirked. Sorry about that. She break your nose. Wouldn't be the first time, Draco said with a bitter tone. At least she fixed it for me. In third year, I had to wait an hour for Madame Pomfrey to make herself available. Not that it gives Granger the right to sucker punch a man just as he steps out of the fireplace. Why'd she hit you? Harry asked. Not that she'd need a reason, Ron mumbled. Draco narrowed his eyes at Ron, and then turned his attention to Harry. She said something about it being too long since she punched a Slytherin. That and the fact that I look like my father didn't help me when I allegedly sneaked up behind her. Then she bloody hugged me. He spat the word as though it were an indescribable offense. She told me I'd done the right thing by killing Lucius. Can't you explain what the hell's going on with Granger? It took much less time telling the story to Draco, since he cared little for the details and didn't ask any questions as he was able to put many of the pieces together himself. When Remus finished explaining, everyone turned to the Slytherin, waiting for his reaction. Do any of you Gryffindors know how to leave well enough alone, or do you all just enjoy fucking about with things you don't understand? He jeered, looking at Ron and Harry as though they set the standards for reckless idiocy. It makes sense that she attacks first and asks questions later at the sight of me. Mother's been telling me more about what Lucius was like when they were first together. Sirius shook his head. Maya was not a fan of him. Is that her name now? Draco inquired. Maya Potter. Potter? She was adopted by my grandparents, Harry replied. Adopted? Well, that makes a lot more sense. 
Draco remarked with interest, turning his attention to Sirius. Not that you need it, cousin, but I wholeheartedly approve of your match. Well done. I actually like the witch. Ron turned beet red. What? Absolutely. The Slytherin nodded, taking note of Ron's anger and quirking his lips. If taking an exaggerated liking to the witch sparked such outrage in the redhead, Draco looked like he was going to enjoy milking the moment for all it was worth. Bravo to you for being able to pull the broomstick out of her arse. In fact, if she didn't look exactly like Granger, I'd be half tempted to consider a union with her myself. Sirius grinned. Well, she's definitely taken. Draco suppressed a laugh. Strange. I didn't feel a ring when I got an up-close look at her fists. Speaking of which, now that the pair of you are clearly no longer avoiding your embarrassing, secretly bonded relationship, could you do a man a favor and request that she cease striking me? She's only done it twice. Your pretty face is perfectly intact. Still, I'd much prefer her company if she was not threatening me. He looked up to see Ron still staring at him, mouth open. What's wrong with your pet weasel, Scarhead? Is he hungry and just waiting for someone to spoon-feed him? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Draco so much. He's just so catty. You got a face. The way you do his voice, it reminds me of something, and I can't think of it right now, and it's kind of driving me nuts. <laughs> we'll just keep going, and if it rings a bell... You let me know. Harry narrowed his eyes. Ron closed his mouth and fumed before spitting out. You just said that you'd match yourself to Hermione if she wasn't with Sirius. Draco rolled his eyes. Remarkable attention span, Weasley. She's a powerful witch who finally figured out how to brush her hair. If all it took was a girl punching him in the face, Malfoy, you should have been besotted with her in third year. Harry said. Even then, she's still muggle-born. Isn't that against your standards? Draco glowered back at Harry, clearly offended. Don't presume to know anything about me, Potter, or about anything in general. Your ignorance of wizarding customs and traditions is astounding, and I'd rather walk back into that house and have my nose broken again than listen to the grinding sound that your brain is making as it tries to feebly put the pieces together. Harry glared. What's that supposed to mean? Put what pieces together? Ron asked, confused. Are they actually going to let the two of you be auras? Draco asked in an astonished tone. Was there even an examination, or did Potter just have a plus one invitation to the ministry attached to that shiny order of Merlin he received? She's no longer a muggle-born, you half-wits. When Harry just stared at him, Draco sighed and looked at the man as though he could not quite believe how stupid he was. I know you were raised by muggles, and apparently even worse, Weasleys, but did no one even try to explain wizarding customs to you? I'm confused, Harry muttered. I feel like that's just the running theme for book four, is just Harry going, I'm confused, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Draco replied. Remus sighed and rubbed his eyes, wishing he had stayed in the bakery where things were quiet and smelled wonderful. He wondered if he ran back quickly, if there would be any of those almond cream tarts left. Draco, Sirius said warningly. What? 
Draco asked, poorly feigning innocence. I'm not. It's the godfather's job to instruct a magical child in the traditions and customs of our world, and you've been otherwise engaged. Granted, I would have assumed that the herd of gingers would have at least attempted to step up and fill in the obvious gap in his proper education. He added, tossing a negligent hand towards Ron, but judging from the blank expression on Weaselby's face, I gather they haven't even informed their own offspring, let alone the muggle-raised castaways they've accumulated over the years. Would you stop prattling on and just explain what you meant about Hermione not being a muggle-born? Harry snapped impatiently. She was adopted by a pure-blood family, you simpleton, Draco said, speaking very slowly as if talking to a child. Harry bristled at the tone. That makes her a pure-blood. Ron froze his brows. Adoption doesn't change blood. New, but it changes their magical signature. If a familial bond was created and sealed between her and her proud Potter parents, then she's not just a Potter by name. She might as well have been born to them. Her magical signature was altered to adjust to her family. By all wizarding laws and rights, she's a pure blood. Harry frowned. That still doesn't make any sense. Her blood hasn't changed. What the hell did we just fight a war over? If it's about pure magic and not pure blood, why even bother talking about blood? Draco shrugged, clearly never having bothered to worry about such things before. I suppose because mud blood sounds much less ridiculous than mud magic, he surmised, his tone indifferent. When Harry and Ron tensed at the word, he rolled his eyes. I wasn't calling her one. I was just making the point. No need to get your hand-me-down knickers in a twist. And this tradition is just accepted. That easily, Harry asked, ignoring the insults. Even by pure-blood families like yours? Yes, Draco affirmed. In fact, my mother told me that when she was having trouble getting pregnant with me, she'd suggested magical adoption just to be able to provide an heir for my father to fulfill her marital vows, but by then father was too caught up in the Dark Lord's plans. Why would that have mattered? Harry questioned. Because the Dark Lord didn't approve of magical adoption, Draco replied. Ron frowned. I still don't get it. If magical adoption would turn any muggle-born or half-blood into a pure-blood, then why was he against it? Draco raised an incredulous eyebrow. Because, unlike the rest of the wizarding world, the Dark Lord did see it as a blood status thing, and not just magical purity, neither of which makes a difference now, of course. Harry dipped his head, finally understanding. It makes sense. Tom Riddle was an orphan. And would you like to be the person to tell a psychopathic tyrant that all his problems would have been solved if some pure-blood family loved him enough to give him their name? Harry looked to Remus. Does this mean anything for Hermione, being a pure-blood now? Remus scratched his chin thoughtfully. I'm not sure, he answered. We knew that Maya was adopted, of course, but we never really gave much thought to her muggle-born status or the state of her mag magical signature. And Hermione has always been a proud muggle-born. I imagine she'll be very open about both of her parentages. By all laws, she is a potter, so she'll have access to the vaults and properties. Black vaults and properties as well, Sirius chimed in. Her mother was a black. I didn't even make that connection, 
Draco grimaced. I'm related to Hermione Granger. Does she still have the time tenor? I'd love to go back to third year and tell my thirteen-year-old self just to see the look on my face. It'd probably look just as stupid as it does now, Ron remarked. <laughs> I want to punch this kid. <laughs> you know, you ever see Richie Rich? God, it's been ages. You know that kid where the butler, when they're at school, brings him that cappuccino. He's like, this is a latte. I asked for a double cappuccino, you imbecile. <laughs> like, that's what he kind of reminds me of. And he kind of reminds me of that kid. You remember in Hey Arnold, the pig war episode, where that little snotty kid has his grandpa and they're the British? Yes. Yeah, he reminds me of that kid. <laughs> It'd probably look just as stupid as it does now, Ron remarked. Behave, Ronald. They all turned up to see Maya walking out, looking much calmer than she had since she last graced them with her presence. But Myony, he is family, she said, cutting him off as she walked down the steps. At her words, Draco turned and sneered up at Ron, obviously delighted by the way he was gawking at the sight of Hermione Granger defending a Slytherin. The blonde remained smug until the witch reached out, taking his face in her hands. He tried to pull away at first, but she was persistent, ignoring his wishes so she could observe her spellwork on his nose. Hello, cousin, he said with a smug grin on his face as she finally let him go. Maya nodded thoughtfully. So, you're all caught up then. How's your face? Still prettier than yours. She laughed and shrugged her shoulders. That's debatable. I happen to be dating the most eligible bachelor in Wizarding Britain, she said, reaching out and threading her fingers through Sirius's hair without even looking at him. And you've got pansy pug face Parkinson to attest to your good looks. Oh, are we dating again? Sirius asked. I wasn't sure because you threw an ashtray at my head. I am sorry, she said, her tone genuine. You're still not off the hook. What do you want from me? She thought for a moment. You're no longer allowed to smoke. Sirius cringed and then growled. Fine, he conceded with a dramatic sigh. Are we good now? Yes, she said, and turned to look at the man. I've calmed down. Remus chuckled. Because everything in the house is broken? No, because punching Slytherins is apparently like meditation for me she said, smirking at Draco, who had turned narrowed eyes on her. Keeps me centered. It's been way too long since I've done it. It's been at least a year since I last punched Snape, and your father was a few years before that. Draco's eyes widened in what Remus assumed was a mixture of delight and horror. You hit my father. You punched Snape? Ron asked with a grin on his face. Harry, who had developed a strange new admiration for the fallen potions master, did not look so amused. Why? Because they threatened Sirius, Maya replied, a hard look in her eyes. Remus smiled. Told you. She doesn't like people touching her things. Boom. And that's the episode. Cool. Oh my god, guys, we got through that with, like, almost no tangents. Yeah. But you still have one left. I do have one left. So I'm just going to go ahead and go on it because we didn't end up having a break. Um, So, Jesus, while I'm pulling on my webcam on accident. Um, 
those of you who are in the OG Fire Whiskey and Honey group are acquainted with Blaze, who is a huge Beatles fan. And we were talking about the Beatles and somebody had the audacity to suggest that Paul McCartney wasn't that great of a musician and that the Beatles weren't actually that good. And it it kind of made me laugh. And, you know, I talked it out with Blaze. But what Blaze pointed out was that Paul McCartney is probably one of the most musically gifted minds of the 20th century. He, the song Get Back, from the time he started fucking around with chords to the time he had the chorus written with bass line, guitar line, and lyrics was approximately, it was less than a minute and a half. It was about 67 seconds, I think, from first strum to him going, get back, get back, get back to where you once belong. Get back, Jojo. He has the ability to hear every single instrument and voice with harmonies in his head all at once. But here's why it's cool. And here's why I wanted to go on this little tangent. He can't read music. Still. And neither could John Lennon. None of them could actually, I don't think any of them could actually read music. And this is true for, uh, for Paul McCartney as of four years ago when he did a uh, 60 Minutes interview. He flat out said, he was like, I don't know anything about music theory and I don't know how to read music. It's, you know, we see people today who are writing songs who know music theory and know that certain chord changes are catchy and like they know the science behind making a catchy song. It literally all just lives in Paul McCartney's brain. Yeah. And the other thing that a lot of people forget is nobody played like they did before they did. They started rock and roll. Like they, I mean, obviously there were a lot of other bands doing similar things at the same time, but when people are like, um, McCartney's not really that great of a bassist, nobody played the bass like Paul McCartney until Paul McCartney did it. Other people have done it since, he was pretty much the first to kind of do what he did. So, yes. So that is my brief commentary on why Paul McCartney is, in fact, one of the most gifted, brilliant musical minds of the 20th century, a modern Beethoven, if you will, in terms of what he did for his genre. And I just love the fact that he is the way he is without being able to read music. Oh, and the fact... Um, Elton John kind of like that too. Like, didn't he have like that quickness and like the stuff in his head as well? It, so Elton, um, learned how to play piano by ear. I believe oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is capable of reading music because he did end up going to the Royal Academy of Music. Um, yeah. but the thing was he couldn't write lyrics worth a shit. And then he Yeah, came, but he could write the melodies or whatever. And once I he remember came in with the, Bernie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I remember in the movie, like he would just like be like, "Okay, write the lyrics to this, yeah. like yeah. do this." Yeah, they I could. Can't. They they were writing songs in twenty minutes. Bernie would write the lyrics. Elton would yeah. look at it. The music would come to him. Boom, done. Yeah, one of the done. greatest musical partnerships, longest lasting musical partnerships in modern history. And yeah. to this day, I don't think they've ever argued about. Like, Elton's never argued with him about lyrics with bernie and bernie's never argued about the melody with elton like i'm sure they've had disagreements on like how they were living 
but they've never actually yeah. had a fight over music. But yeah, it's cool, but it's also sad because some of those people never made it to be great. So it's sad. Yeah. yeah but like when I saw the Elvis movie, I was like. His manager totally killed him. Elvis would have still been alive today if he would have just had the guts to, like, get away from his manager. And he tried, and it didn't work. Like, Um, Elvis would have still been alive. Michael Jackson, same way. Yeah, still same way. Well, his doctor killed him. Because didn't Michael kind of have a bit of a drug problem? Elvis had a drug problem, too. But, like... They all had drug problems, yes. But, um... Yes, but, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at, like... Judy Garland. Sad. They they gave yes. them uppers in the morning and downers at night. Yep. Like they were just and, and apparently that still goes on today with some people. Like yeah. that is insane. Yeah. Like there's what was that girl from that Disney show? The one that had Miranda Cosgrove in it, I think. That blonde haired chick that oh, was her yeah, friend. Yeah, I Carly. Yeah, um, I think yeah, Sam. I think I saw a, an article about her circling around like lately about something about how like people would give her drugs and like stuff and how she was thrown in like all these like alcoholic parties as a teenager and I was just like uh, Daniel Radcliffe straight up does not remember yeah. filming movie six because he was drunk the entire time. Holy crap. Yeah, he doesn't remember it. So. Wow. It's, you know, I jokingly mentioned like, oh, yeah, I should get JD into modeling as a kid. But bottom line is, if my kid wants to go into show business, great. I'll support them. Yeah. When they're older. Yeah. I I don't care how supportive the staff is. That level of fame at a young age is fucking toxic well Look at Millie Bobby Brown. yeah well jody sweden or whatever her name so is from have- full house yeah from full house the one oh, that was no. um she was yeah, uh yeah. stephanie yeah, yeah 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 so she's been guest co-hosting on a show that i watch a lot so they've been like talking about like childhood stuff so they always ask her opinion since she was that childhood actor and she was like well, I got lucky because everybody on our show cared about each other and we were all friends even as we grew up and the show ended. And I also didn't have social media, so that really helped me a lot too. Yeah. And she actually had a childhood. Like, she went to public school. Like, her her parents made her be normal. So it's yeah. all about how you parent them too. It's I, not just about, parent, like, Parents play a huge role. But, um, yeah. With that being said, I hear a small child who is no longer giggling and is now just screaming. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and thank our patrons. We'd like to thank our foxes, Montana, Muggle Trucker, Tyler Maria, Anthony, Jade, Claire Soothes My ADHD Goblin Brain, Professor Magana Got It Going On, Lisa, Tori, Camille, Morgan, Kiera, Leanne, Sierra, Stacy, Shannon, Martina, Bridget, Sandra, Kayla... Jordan, Claire, Kyla, Diana, Nicole, Sarah, Kenny, Amber, Ryland, Ash, Carissa, April, Kaylin, Audrey, Joshua, Kara, Melissa, another one for the baby jar, Kara, Crystal, Sarah, Ryder, Catherine, Crystal, Shauna, Cassie, Chris, Sylvia, Juliana, Jillian, Rachel, Cauldron Mist, Kendra, Samantha, Miriam, Becky, Misha, Elias, Dan, Montana, Frau Holly, Matthew, and Jasmine. Thank you once again to all of our Patreons. We are so grateful for your continued support, and we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Cha.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.